Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into an October 11th edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Frank Cervalli and Tyler Uremchuk with you. And Frank, am I wrong for thinking this way? I know the regular season started with the Europe series, but tonight, the doubleheader, this feels like the start of the regular season, doesn't it? Yeah, after 746 days of preseason hockey, or at least that's what it felt like, glad to finally have some regular season puck to talk about. Glad to have some storylines to see them finally begin to unfold. Let's go. We will get into all of it. Molly Walker from the New York Post will join us a little bit later. But let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with the latest from Hockey Canada. Starting today's show with a bit of uh, the fallout from all the controversy surrounding Hockey Canada. Just days after Andrea Spear steps down, it's announced today that Hockey Canada Chief Executive Scott Smith and the entire board have also stepped down. This is something the public has been calling for for quite some time now. Frank... This feels like a little too little too late, though, isn't it? Like the damage is already kind of done here. This probably should have happened a month ago. Yeah, I mean, there's been significant brand damage. And to think that they would have held out for this long, like I feel like the only thing you can appropriately do is quote Lizzo today and just say it's about damn time. I mean, that's really what it's felt like as you've seen not just the cry from the public for change in leadership, but also members of parliament and the committee on canadian heritage and then also uh sponsors which have stepped forward by the droves in recent days and weeks to say we want nothing to do with hockey canada uh bauer just being the latest one saying on tuesday that they would they were pausing their uh role as official equipment supplier to hockey canada i mean just about every premier and lower level sponsor of Hockey Canada has either paused or permanently cut ties with the organization. And to think that this could have gone on longer, I, I can't imagine the damage that they've done to the entire brand and uh, the Federation in general, given all that's happened. Scott Smith, the CEO is gone. As you mentioned, Andrea Skinner, uh, the to interim board chair is uh, resigned on Saturday night, sort of in the darkness of the night. And then now this final house cleaning, which felt so long overdue, like where has everyone been to this point? Uh, it feels like their arrogance has is what's kept them uh, basically from getting in their own way. Yeah, and I think arrogance is a fantastic word to use here. Those quotes about how, you know, the, the lights have to stay on in the ring. So I can promise you that today, even though the board stepped down, there will be practices. There will be minor hockey games across Canada, um, but they need a new leadership. The, the phrase that was always thrown around on Twitter was just burn it to the ground, right? Just restart everything. And that kind of feels like, or today feels like, this is a step in that direction. You mentioned the sponsors, and I wanted to give a little stick tap, I suppose, to all those sponsors who, you know, hurt Hockey Canada financially by stepping away and probably propelled us to this point here where the board steps down. 
but also uh, those companies that continued to fund the uh, the Paralympic and the women's side of uh, Hockey Canada. I, I thought that was a bit of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, a nice touch to keep funding and, and money going to those very deserving programs. Uh, from one controversy to another one here that came over the weekend around the hockey world, Frank, surrounding Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman Ian Cole, who was accused of sexual misconduct with a minor. He will not play tonight for the Tampa Bay Lightning in their regular season opener as he's been suspended with pay by the team. What's the latest around Ian Cole, Frank? What can you tell us? Tyler, Ian Cole will have an interview with the NHL's chief security officer, Jared Maples, on Wednesday in New York City. He'll be represented not just by the NHL Players Association, his own legal team, and uh, members of the Tampa Bay Lightning staff. But uh, this is really the first step forward in terms of trying to figure out what exactly happened here. Where did this accusation come from? Has the person that uh, made the accusation uh, an allegation uh, stepped forward? Is, is she participating uh, in this investigation as it continues? But uh, for the meantime, Ian Cole suspended with pay, which I think is an important designation to make from the NHL Players Association perspective. And this is in some ways a little bit unprecedented in terms of how it's all unfolded. You, you see an anonymous account on social media that was just created last month post this explosive and disturbing allegation. And it comes up and you say, well, we don't have any other facts than this. Yet the Tampa Bay Lightning made the decision to suspend Ian Cole based on just, you know, sort of the vague and, and some of it was vague information that was put on there. We have no idea on timeline. Uh, so many questions left to be answered. But I think one of the important things that uh, both Cole's camp and the NHLPA will be looking for here as this process unfolds is sort of trying to get as quick a resolution as possible. Probably a good sign for Cole and his camp that um, that meeting will occur on Wednesday. Uh, I know that that time is going to be of the essence. The one difference between Cole and his suspension and Jake Vertanen and the Vancouver Canucks, they were sort of the first team to suspend a player based on anonymous accusations that were made on social media, or in that case, uh, a post that was made on a survivor's website before being picked up by the media. That was at the end of the season. This is with an entire season still uh, left to go. Game one, Madison Square Garden on Tuesday night for the Lightning. And he was counted on to be a big piece on the ice for this team as a sort of 50 cents on the dollar replacement for Ryan McDonough. And correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Frank, but from the roster perspective here, Ian Cole still will not count against the cap while he's suspended, right? I believe that is the case. Yes, still waiting for official confirmation from the NHL, but Jake Vertanen did not count against the Vancouver Canucks cap when he was suspended under similar circumstances. A lot of teams around the league were facing a cap crunch this weekend as they got set or they tried to get their opening night rosters set. So we'll transition onto what we saw on the waiver wire and around the league over the weekend because there were a lot of teams, Frank, walking that delicate balance of how much LTIR space they're using, trying to get right snug up to that limit. When you look at what happened over the weekend, is this kind of just a product of the cap still staying relatively flat and a lot of teams just being in a really tight pinch? Yeah, it is. And and the LT, LTIR capture, when you have upwards of half the league operating in long-term injury exception, it, it's can be difficult to navigate. You want to try and, as you mentioned, get really close to that perfect capture if you can, because especially when starting the season, if you don't get up close to that number or as close as you can, 
it's use it or lose it, essentially, if that player is going to be on LTIR for the balance of the season. If you don't take full advantage of that cap hit and that cap space, you're not going to get it back. And so that's why you see a lot of jockeying that exists for teams over the last 48 hours before that is all said and done. And some teams really did a really nice job. The Vancouver Canucks, we believe, the first team in the salary cap era to get a complete perfect capture. So no dollars left over the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think getting within $4 can barely get you a cup of coffee. Uh, you, you know, you're looking at a team uh, like the Toronto, or excuse me, the Philadelphia Flyers. There's a whole bunch of teams. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning yeah. were within like a steak dinner, 37 bucks. So uh, it's it's very close in terms of what these teams have been able to accomplish. And, um, you know, lots of waiver wire activity and trade discussion that I think will continue here in the next week or so until these rosters are settled and set. Yeah, we saw the Oilers and Blues flip a couple of players who did pass through waivers and Dmitry Samurkov and Clint Cost. And the one player that surprised me, Frank, was Mike Riley out in Boston. I mean, you look at sort of the analytics behind this guy. On the surface, he appears to be a top four, if not a really, really good top six defenseman. His cap hit three million bucks, but the Bruins put him on waivers and he passes through. I thought there would be maybe a bottom feeder team around the league who looks at looks at that and goes, I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to play him for two, three, four months. I'm going to trade him at the deadline and get a late round pick out of this thing. Was there any players we wrapped this one up that really surprised you to go on the waiver wire? Well, to your point on Riley, it, you know, you look, it's not just the $3 million. It's also the term, the one additional year that's remaining on his deal that makes it a lot harder to handle. If he was a pending UFA, I think you're right. That's exactly probably what would have happened. But it also goes to show you how few, how little cap space some of these teams have, um, you know, uh, and we should point out before we move on, just the big um, addition by the Vegas Golden Knights getting Nick Haig under contract, one of the last restricted free agents. $2.294 million is his cap hit moving forward on a three-year deal. Um, and then there was one, Alex Formanton, the last remaining RFA from the Ottawa Senators as we start the season. No UFA years bought on that Nick Haig deal. He'll still be an RFA when that contract expires. Frank, you've been doing your archetype rankings over at dailyfaceoff.com over the last few days, and we're going to continue to dissect these. Today, you looked at distributors, the 18 best passers in the game. The full story's up at Daily Faceoff. You can see here, Goudreau, Huberto, Marner, Panarin, all on that list. Take us through the process that went into finding or deciding who are the 18 best puck distributors in the league. Yeah, if you've missed the first couple parts of this series, it's a nine-part series that's up right now on dailyfaceoff.com. And the key is to put these different players in different classification categories or buckets. And, you know, if you're in one, that means you can't be in another. So we've got 17 franchise players, and then we had 20 clutch players. Now we've got 18 distributors. And you can see with this graphic here, some of the best passers in the game, you know, right off the top of your head, the Jonathan Huberdos, the Mitch Marners, the Johnny Gaudreaux, Artemi Panarin has, you know, been up there for a long time from New York Rangers. Um, and the hardest part about going through a project like this is when you get a little bit further down the list is properly identifying some guys that may fit in multiple categories. Like we really struggled and I had the help of five anonymous front office executives from around the NHL participate in the project. And, you know, take someone like William Nylander, a guy who consistently has more assists than he does goals. But when I went through and, and really poured over the data 
found that Nylander probably doesn't belong as a distributor. He belongs in another category. And so um, a really talented passer, but maybe better at one other facet of the game, whether that's a shooter or a net front scorer or someone that is a, um, is a power forward. So that's the tough part of the project. And I think the other part is, you know, illuminating uh, some guys that are way better at this than you might have imagined. One, a couple guys that really stood out uh, as we went through this project, and the full list will be posted pretty shortly on dailyfaceoff.com with a ton of intriguing stats. Kevin Fiala, now with the Los Angeles Kings, elite, elite passer in terms of uh, his ability to create consistent scoring chances uh, with the help of his passes. Uh, Nick Suzuki from the Montreal Canadiens, he had a bit of a breakout year last year. And then now, um, you know, moving forward, just a couple other guys that may surprise you on the list in terms of their ranking. Clayton Keller, really high up there. I had an NHL executive say to me this week, Clayton Keller, if you were to swap him and Mitch Marner, would their point production be the same based on the talent that they surround themselves with on their teams? And so when you look at the numbers, you can start to see the impact of some of that as well. That is a spicy one. People can check out the story on dailyfaceoff.com coming up right away. And again, you did say if you're on one list, you can't be on another. So if people look at this and they're like, where's Connor McDavid? Where's Leon Dreisaitl, Sidney Crosby? They were on franchise players, correct? Correct. Yeah. So the, that's and the interesting part when you go through that, you see Connor McDavid, you don't realize how many facets of the game he touches. You probably think it, but like he quite literally ranks one or two in some of these other statistical categories for guys like distributors. So it's uh, it's amazing to see. Frank, I know how the internet works. Your Twitter mentions are going to be flooded with people going, oh, come on, you don't have McDavid on the best passers? What's wrong with you? They are not going to read that closely. <laughs> well, hopefully they do. All right, uh, let's continue on to our big segment today and get into another edition of the All 32. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Excited to be joined by Molly Walker from the New York Post for another edition of the All 32, as always delivered by our friends at DoorDash. It is a doubleheader. <laughs> That begins with the Rangers and Lightning. Molly, you cover the Rangers. And this is a pretty fitting match for them to start their season, going up against the Lightning team that eliminated them in the conference finals last year. My question is, is it fair to say that the expectation both around the fan base and in that room is Stanley Cup or bust this year for the Rangers? I don't know about Stanley Cup or bust, but the window is definitely wide open and it'll be really crucial for the team to capitalize in the next two to three years just because of how much money they have wrapped up in their core group of players. It, that, this is the core for the foreseeable future. So if they're going to do it, they've got to do it in the next two to three years. But I think that they have a window. So I think that they want to build upon last season. But I don't know. A Stanley Cup or bust really is such a harsh way to put it. So I don't know if I want to feed into that. <laughs> 
Molly, uh, certainly that window is open, as you mentioned. And I was curious to see as the Rangers got to the final four last year and really broke through some of the early preseason predictions, whether it's point totals or what have you, that a lot of people seem to think that the New York Rangers are take might be taking a little bit of a step back coming off of such a great season last year. And I look at this team and I say, I don't see any reason why they would be any worse off. Could you point to maybe some of the question marks, though, that you need to see answered for this team as the season unfolds? I think the two main questions would be, number one, a lot of their success this season is going to hinge on their young core of players. They obviously lost a good portion of their top six. A lot of them were trade deadline acquisitions that left in free agency. And it's going to be up to a lot of the young guys to fill out those roles. Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, Philip Heedle, even Vitaly Kravtsov. They're going to have to shoulder a pretty big responsibility this season. Um, and the number two would have to be an encore from Igor Shostyurkin. I, I love that the Rangers have adopted this attitude that they shouldn't have to apologize for having the best goalie in the entire league, and they absolutely shouldn't. But they do know that they can't rely on him as heavily as they did last season, especially in the beginning. The Rangers would not have had that strong start that they did if it weren't for Igor Shostyurkin. So I think that the Rangers' success will hinge on those two points for the most part. You mentioned the young pieces up front. I want to take a look at the young pieces on the blue line. You look at Jones, mm -hmm. Miller, and Schneider, three guys who could be relied on to take steps forward. Any one of those three really catch your attention in training camp? Keandre Miller, man, he's, I think he's going to be a problem for a lot of teams this season. I actually have him winning the Norris Trophy in my very fun predictions that everybody takes a little bit too seriously, but I think that he's had a great preseason. He's had a really good camp and in talking to him, he just kind of told me that he felt like the game slowed down a lot for him last season. And that was, you could see that you could see it in his protect in his production and in the strides that he took on the offensive side of the game as well. I mean, he skates like a gazelle out there. He goes from one blue line to the next with such ease and with, su with such power. And I think that the confidence that he gained, as well as all of the young guys that they gained during the playoffs, I think that's going to help them a lot this season. But yeah, you mentioned Zach Jones. He's going to get his first look on an opening night roster. Um, it's, it's a bit of a complicated situation for him because he's a power play guy and there's not really a direct pathway for him to, to a power play role. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that unfolds because that's his bread and butter. But I think Braden Schneider also is another guy. I mean, he, he didn't, he wouldn't even settle down in New York. He was staying in a hotel thinking that there was a possibility that he wasn't going to be on this team. And Gerard Galan is in day two saying, of course, we've got Braden Schneider as the number five guy. Uh, but that just speaks to Braden Schneider's character. And, and I think that he should also take tremendous strides this season. It's going to be an exciting start to the doubleheader tonight with the Rangers and the Lightning going head to head. Molly, appreciate the time today on the All32, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. You see the promo code at the bottom of your screen. Game day 25. Use that on your first order. It gets you 25% off and no delivery fees. Molly, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks so much for having me. Moving along on today's show to our daily inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. Frank, before every team gets rolling in their regular season in regular season action, I want to talk a little bit about 100-point scorers. And after eight players hit that milestone last season, the question today, how many 100-point scorers will we get 
this season? I'm going to say six. So I've got McDavid, Dreisaitl, Kaprizov, Matthews. I'm going to go with Roman Yossi and Miko Rantanen. So that's my six. So I'm going to say that Stamkos, Kachuk, Huberto, and Gaudreau all do not hit the 100-point mark for the second year in a row. All right. Um, I'm going one higher than you. I'm going with seven. I actually agree with who's going to slide out. The guys I have sliding up are Mitch Marner, Nathan McKinnon, and I also have a defenseman cracking the 100-point mark this season. But I am going with Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche. That's my spicy take one is that McCarr gets to 100. So I'm going to go with seven, but I agree we'll see a drop-off from the eight last season uh, moving along let's get into our daily bet segment brought to you by our friends over at points bet canada it feels good to have a slate of nhl games tonight to wager on so let's take a look at the odds over at points bet canada i was i was in the pro i was up around 10 on the season so i got two plays for this evening i'm avoiding the lightning rangers game i don't really have a good read on that it's hard to get a read on anything early in the season but i do like the Vegas Golden Knights at plus 100 on the money line to beat the LA Kings in the first game of the season. I'm not sure if Vegas's goaltending can hold up for the entire season. I'm not sure if, you know, their are players who have injury problems can hold up for the entire season. But I do kind of like them tonight. It's early in the year, so kind of just playing a hunch. But the Golden Knights at plus 100 beat the LA Kings is my first play of the day for our friends at Points Bet Canada. And also, you can find Jack Eichel over three and a half shots on goal at around minus 110. I think that is an awesome spot in this hockey game as well. He was hitting this with some regularity early or later in the late in the season uh, last year. I like him to keep rolling this year and be fired up for game one of the regular season, firing a lot of pills. So Golden Knights plus 100 to beat the Kings. Eichel over three and a half shots on goal. Those are my two plays for the first doubleheader of the NHL season, Frank. I kind of like the Rangers and Lightning under five and a half, two of the best goalies on the planet, Vasilevsky and Shesterkin going head to head. And please tell me you're not one of those people that refers to shooting the puck as shooting the pill, are you? Frank, come on. It's, it's, the, it's a young person's <laughs> language. It's a little fun lingo. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but Jason Greger does that on the DFO Rundown po podcast. That means you cannot. Ah, okay. Well, I will refrain from that uh, if you're doing the show with me. Maybe I'll keep the young when I get to do the shows with Mike McKenna. Uh, let's wrap up with a little bit of garbage time, Frank. What do you got? Yeah, let's take a look at the Vegas Golden Knights and their new campaign that they've launched on social media because it calls to mind one of my favorite scenes from a movie. Here you go. So when the boys got back into town, I had the idea to ride along with some of them to practice just to catch up. Tag, you're it, double stamp. Triple stamp, you're double stamp, you're it. You, you can't double stamp, double stamp. You can't triple stamp, double stamp. Hey, Bill. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? So maybe that wasn't my best idea. Look, for me, uh, Dumb and Dumber, one of the best movies of all time. Anytime it's on the tube, I cannot turn away. I cannot turn it off. Must watch. This scene gets me every time. I love that they duplicate it. It feels kind of apropos of exactly nothing, which kind of makes it even better. And I love that their owner and Bill Foley was willing to, uh, to play part in it as well. So 
Uh, pretty awesome stuff from the Golden Knights. What do you give it on a scale of 1 to 10, the acting there from Marcia So and Carlson? I was going to say it actually wasn't even that corny. I saw a video over the weekend of uh, Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley going through like a Tim Hortons drive through while Bunting and Nylander were working. And the acting in that was terrible. The Golden Knights maybe aren't as good on the ice as the Maple Leafs this season, but off the ice, I think the acting was top-notch in that. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, Bill Foley, their owner, like how many owners do you see in public at all, let alone participating in something fun like this with the players? Top marks for the Golden Knights to start off the season. Let's see if it carries over to the ice tonight as they open on the road at Crypto.com Arena in L.A. And we will be back tomorrow to break it all down. So, yes, fantastic acting from the Vegas Golden Knights. Fantastic insights from both yourself, Frank, and Molly Walker of the New York Post. Give her a follow this year so you can stay up to date with the Rangers. For our technical producer, Alex Lard, everyone else involved behind the scenes of our show, enjoy the doubleheader tonight, and we'll be back tomorrow with Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.